Christmas was great for us. Um, I don't know if it, what it's like for y'all, but we have five kids, and we went to the in-laws' house, and other cousins showed up. So there were there were eight kids under eleven opening gifts. It was like a tornado of wrapping paper just flying everywhere, and it was so so fun. And um, and Ashley and I, we feel particularly blessed by this community, and so I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who sent cards and gifts. We're so thankful. Thank you guys so much. Um, We spent the last four weeks, you know, going over Advent, you know, the anticipation of Christmas and going over Christ's coming. And and for a moment, I was tempted to fall into almost like a preacher depression, like what now, God? (laughs) You know, like (laughs) Christmas is over. And even this morning, I woke up and um, there was a tinge of sadness that Christmas was over, and it's not like that every year, but was that like, was anybody else felt a little sad this morning that Christmas was over? I, it was one of those years for me where I could have actually listened to more Christmas songs, which is a miracle. That, like, just play me some more Rudolph one more time, you know? Um, <clears throat> but that sadness just quickly began to fade away this morning as I was looking forward with great excitement about what God is bringing, what God is going to do in 2022. And so this morning, I want us to, in a way, look back, but also look forward. Um, We're uh, celebrating in a way, in a specific way with this end of the year event. We're calling it Maranatha, which means come Lord Jesus. And and it can be in like any tense. So it's past tense, present tense, future tense. It's like you came, like come, like you came, we're celebrating that you came, Lord, and you're coming right now, God, and come again, Jesus. And so <clears throat> I wanna continue in that, uh, that kind of flow this morning of looking back, but also looking forward. It makes sense, right? Because he is the God who was and is and is to come which means that he came and he's coming right now. He's doing very things in this room, in this very moment. His kingdom has come and it is coming. God is continually self-giving, self-revealing. He's continually flowing forth. In fact, one of the names of Jesus is the radiance of the Father or the radiance of God. That word radiance is apagasma. Can you say apagasma? It's a fun word. It means... <laughs> like flowing forth. So Jesus is continually flowing forth from the Father to bring us the very identity of God, to show us what the Father is like. And so he came, he's coming right now, he's coming again in the ultimate summing up of all things. And, but right now, I wanna to speak to the season that we're in right now because it's an interesting time for us to realize that Jesus came as a, and he conquered death, but we still see the byproducts of death. We still see the dealings of the domain of darkness, right? We, Jesus came and he defeated so many plans of the enemy and undid sickness and raised the dead. But it, it seems as if the life of Jesus was to bind up the strong man and even plunder the strong man, but it seems as if there is still plundering left to do of the strong man's house. 
You got, are you guys familiar with that term, strong man? Jesus talks about how you can't enter a strong man's house unless he's first tied up, you know, and then you can go in and, and take his goods. And so what Jesus figuratively did is he came and bound up the strong man. So who is the strong man? Satan, sin, death, principalities, powers. Jesus came and conquered them. It says it, it, says it like this in Colossians, that he made a public spectacle of the enemy, triumphing over him by the cross. But he's entrusted the continuation of his coming kingdom to his representatives, his ambassadors. We're the ambassadors of reconciliation. We are the ones who come displaying and representing his love. And right now we see through these filters. So we can't always see everything clearly. Sometimes it's really dim and obscured. Like we're, we're looking through a glass darkly, you know, through a dim glass. We know in part right now, which means that we don't have the whole picture. We know in part, we prophesy in part, but beloved, a day is coming when we're gonna see him face to face. And we're gonna fully know, even as we are fully known. A day is coming when all of mortality will be swallowed up in immortality. A day is coming when we are going to confidently know without a doubt, not just by faith, but by seeing that death has lost its sting and there is no victory in the grave. And we can rest assured that the one who started this thing is going to be the one who finishes it. So we have so much to look forward to. But I want to say something, and I think it's important. Otherwise, I wouldn't say it. It's part of the sermon. <laughs> Even though I have so much hope in the, the summing up of all things and in the, in the great return of the Lord, even though I have so much hope and excitement about that, all of my hope is not in just that. Christ in me is my hope of glory, which means that his kingdom is advancing mightily through us right now, in this day and in this time. We're not just waiting. Guys, if, if I'm just living to escape here and be in heaven, then death is more my savior than Jesus. His return is going to be glorious. And we have all these amazing biblical breadcrumbs and clues about what it's going to look like. But he doesn't want us just waiting. He wants us demonstrating. <laughs> I want, to be, I want to be burning and shining and demonstrating the kingdom and representing Christ until he returns. There's that famous verse from uh, Ephesians 4.11. It's a, the fivefold ministry. He says that he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, until, until we all reach the, mature, or the unity of the faith and the maturity that is the full stature that is of Christ, which means that we are going to be flowing in miracles. We're going to be flowing in the prophetic. The kingdom is going to be advancing. The church is going to look just like Jesus when Jesus comes. So what I'm saying is that I have a lot to live for and I have a lot to die for. It's like Paul when he's saying, like, I don't know what's better, to go on like ministering or to go on and be with the Lord. 
And so my job as, as pastor, as, as shepherd, as I, my job is to stoke and provoke and sometimes poke. <laughs> stoke, provoke, and sometimes poke. If it ever feels like I'm challenging the way we think about God, it's because I am. But truth does not mind being questioned. But a lie doesn't like being challenged. See, I want to redeem the reputation of the Father. I want us to know him more rightly by looking right at the Son. I want us to know our identity so that we can be confident sons and daughters of the King manifesting the kingdom. I don't want us just to be live praying for something that Jesus has already done. That's the greatest Poverty, possible, when we're tricked into praying for something we already have. It's like being a billionaire and forgetting where you deposited your money. You're like, wait a minute, what bank did I put the billion dollars in? So like, you're technically, if, if that were me, I'd technically be a billionaire, but I wouldn't be able to like benefit from it whatsoever because I forgot where it is and I don't know how to access it. I want us to live as people with access. So what happened with the, uh, the sin of the fall is that the domain of darkness got to have its way on humanity. And what came in after the sin and the fall was sickness, death, natural disasters, famine, etc. All the bad things came after the fall, which are still the dealings of the domain of darkness. Sickness, death, natural disasters, famine, etc. Poverty. So what did Jesus do when he showed up on the scene? He healed sickness. He raised the dead. He calmed storms. He multiplied food to show the whole spirit realm and created order that a new authority, the true king had come to undo the domain of darkness. He meticulously and purposefully confronted every single thing the enemy dealt in and showed that he had power over it. John 10.10 says it like this, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. I wanna look at a, a prophecy that talks about the coming kingdom. And it's a little bit of a a more obscure prophecy, but there's so much treasure in it. And it's in Daniel 2. So if you can turn to Daniel 2, and just so you guys know, so you don't start getting scared, this is gonna be a short sermon. (laughs) We're gonna get to some awesome testimonies here in a minute too. So this is a a prophecy about the coming kingdom. And I believe it's it's a little obscure for a few reasons. Uh, One of them is that this is a moment in history where God spoke through a dream to a heathen king, a bad guy, who consorted with magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and he ruled ruthlessly over Israelites who were in exile under his rulership. This guy's named Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar has a dream from God in the night, and it's so potent and powerful and terrifying that he can't sleep after it. And he calls in all of his wise men, these astrologers and 
and interpreters and, and sorcerers and says, I need you to tell me this dream and interpret it. And they're like, oh, king, no one can do what you're asking. And so the king is so frustrated. He's like, you guys are a bunch of hacks. So I'm going to kill you if you don't come to me with the dream and its interpretation. And so um, it was a really scary day to be a dream interpreter. <laughs> the stakes were very high. Um, <clears throat> this is Daniel 2.27. Uh, Daniel is obviously, he's numbered among the wise men. He's actually numbered among the magician and astrologers uh, in the king's court. And so Daniel hears about this decree and he's like, no, no, no. The, Tell everyone not to worry. God knows the interpretation. Like, I'm, I'm going to pray. And then God shows him the dream and the interpretation. And this, let's pick up here in Daniel 2.27. Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery that he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and these visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. And he tells him the dream before he tells him the interpretation. How cool is that? That's next level dream interpretation. We're going to do a class on that in a few weeks. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> this is what it says. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come. And the revealer of mysteries, oh, I love that title for God. And the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. Your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the, sh the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on the threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king, your majesty. You are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands, he has placed all mankind and beasts of the field and birds of the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. After you, another kingdom will arise, inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom of bronze will rule over the earth. Finally, there'll be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything, and as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw the feet and the toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet... It will have some strength of iron in it, even as you saw the iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with the baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united. 
any more than iron mixes with clay. Here it is, guys. In the time of those kings, God, the God of heaven, will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. Then Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before David, paid him honor, and ordered that an offering of incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords and the revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. He placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators of the province of Babylon while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. How cool is this? This is like a man's gift sets him before kings type stuff right here, all right? Okay, I want, to, I want to pick apart this interpretation real quick with you guys. So it said there was a head of gold, which we know is Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, Babylon. And then the, there was a chest of arms and silver, a belly of, and thighs of bronze, legs of iron, feet of clay and iron. So here's a little history lesson. This is actually what took place in, ter- in terms of the kingdoms that would come until Christ. It was the Babylonian Empire, which is the head of gold, the Medo-Persian Empire, which is the chest of silver, the Greco-Macedonian Empire, which is the belly and thighs of bronze, and then the Roman Empire came, which was all that mixture, right? Because Rome was one of the first empires that we know of that would conquer areas and, and just absorb them. So much so that sometimes the emperor would actually let the ruler stay in power as long as he submitted his authority to the emperors, right? And so it was a vast kingdom made up of all sorts of different cultures. And in the days of those kings, God would send the rock of ages. This is Psalm 145, 13. It says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. This is Isaiah 9, 7. We read this over the last couple weeks with the coming of Christ. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Jesus is the rock that was hewn from heaven and thrown to earth, and it is Jesus' kingdom whose mountain is filling the entire created order. The entire world is being covered by the kingdom of heaven. Isn't this incredible? And this is a kingdom that can't be detected by visible signs, right? This is what it's, Jesus tells us in Luke 17. It says this kingdom can't be detected by visible signs. People might say, look over here because there's the kingdom, or, or ho, look over here, I found it over here, but don't listen to them because I tell you the truth, the kingdom of heaven is within you. 
he's made you just like him. He was the door. He is the door. He is the gate. He turned you into a little door through which heaven meets earth. You're the one who manifests the goods and glories of heaven to this planet. You are, we are the ones that represent Christ. We're not just doing cool things. We are representing an amazing king. There's another verse that I love, this Psalm 84, 5. It says, how blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to heaven. Jesus, when he's talking to, to Peter, he, he calls him a rock also, right? This is Matthew 16, 19. He says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So what is the vision of Upper Room? Upper Room Frisco. We made it simple and we made it short and we put it on the wall, right? His presence transforming lives morning, noon, and night. Well, how, do we do, how does that happen? Well, we minister to his heart morning, noon, and night, through worship and prayer. It creates an atmosphere he can't resist doing amazing things in, right? It creates an atmosphere of faith in us so that power is present for miraculous transformation of lives. That's why we're always worshiping and praying, and that's not the only reason. He's obviously just worthy of it. But as we're worshiping, as we're praying, amazing things are happening in the spirit. We're empowered to be witnesses, That's the Great Commission, right? It means that we cast out demons, we heal the sick, we cleanse lepers. Things that would normally poison people aren't able to poison us. You know what's crazy? As I sat working on these notes for this morning, I was sitting in a Starbucks, and as I was literally typing up some of these things about the Great Commission, this song I'd never heard comes on the radio. It wasn't a Christmas song. It was just a secular song, but this lyric was playing. Just catch this moment. Just enter this moment with me. I was typing out the Great Commission, and this lyric comes on the radio at Starbucks. I can heal the sick. I can raise the dead. I was like, what secular song is this that they're playing in Starbucks at the very moment that I'm typing out? Cleanse the leper. Cast out demons. Raise the dead. Guys, so many amazing things have happened this year in our body. We, God gave us this building. Hallelujah. We've been figuring out how to use it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Um, we had that amazing, that, that one night event in Frisco, Frisco one night where thousands of people came to minister to God with us and hear the vision of what it's like to create a sustained house of prayer. I can remember a Sunday, this one Sunday, in one Sunday, two people, two different people got delivered of demons right here. Anybody here remember that? They were writhing around on the floor, getting set free. It was amazing. Power was present. I remember a Sunday when someone, Justin Clark's back got healed through a prophetic word. Someone knew exactly where the knot was. I think it was Liz, wasn't it? You put your hand right on the knot and said, be loosed, and his back was healed. We've had amazing things happen. I remember Sundays and where we were standing here giving prophetic words 
to, to complete strangers, and we saw tears streaming down their faces as their lives were being changed by the encouragement of the Lord. Guys, since this time last year, it doesn't look like it today because it's the day after Christmas, but our attendance has doubled. We have twice as many people just coming and enjoying the presence with us. Isn't that amazing? I asked for um, some more of our beloved friends in the community to come up and just give testimony to what God has done just something amazing that they can remember from this past year because I want us to be the body. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 24 that when we gather together, everyone comes with something. And so I asked um, if you could come forward when I call your name. Israel Lambert, come on up. You can clap. He's amazing. (laughs) Joseph and Mary Borsch, can you come on up? Joseph and Mary. John and Karen Ferguson, or, or John, whoever wants to come, both of you, one of you, all of you. Come on up, John. And um, let's have the, the staff come up too. And, and can you put that, that slide up? So this is us looking back and remember when God's kingdom came in a certain way in our lives. And we're also looking forward to more of his kingdom coming. That's Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus, come. So, um, John, you, you want to start us off? What, what, God, what has God done in your life this year? Okay. So um, I always brag because I, I do not need a microphone. So um, uh, December of last year, when uh, when I got the text this morning from, uh, from uh, Jeremy, I, I my heart immediately went to some things that are going on right now that just seem insurmountable. Um, sickness in my family, division in my family, a lot of things in that nature. And I thought, I thought, I, I feel like I'm more in the midst of wanting breakthrough than breakthrough. And then, then I was reminded what happened uh, in December of last year. Uh, I got some really bad results in, in a blood test, just a simple blood test to get more life insurance, and they turned me down. And uh, that started a year of um, kind of retraining how I live life and how I eat. And I went through a significant time of um, intense changing of my diet and so forth. And that led to a significant time of of new exercise and so forth. And so I saw a lot of breakthrough over, over this year of going from being extraordinarily unhealthy where the doctor said, you're on the cusp between between pre-diabetic and diabetic. And he said, I'm going to start administering new treatment for you as a diabetic. And I said, well, will you give me a little bit more time to change my diet, change everything I do? And my numbers came way down within about six months. Come on. And so I lost a significant amount of weight for those of you who know me. My A1C came down. My my All the other levels in, in my blood went, went, went back to back to normal so that God did heal me. So. Woo! Yeah. I had a couple things that were in my mind, but when Jeremy started off and talked about the strong man, I knew what it should, you know, what it should be. Um, I have four kids, boy, girl, boy, girl. 
And over the last few years, I was noticing uh, a sharpness in their interaction, uh, anger and defensiveness in their tone. And I realized that was coming from me. And I had trained them and they had heard me over the years speak to their mother in that tone. I grew up in the Middle East, so it's a hard habit to shake. Uh, but over this last year, we've broken the back with the power of Jesus over the strong man. And we've broken that tone in our family. We've bound him up because Jesus desires it. And, and I'll just say, we put it on the wall and it's, it's easy to look at that phrase, but his presence is like a fire. And sometimes you want to get warm and you get close and you want to get close, but other times you don't want to get too close because it burns. And the closer you get, the greater the fire and the greater the burn to yourself and your soul and the things that are embedded in your family history, your culture, your DNA. But what Jesus did 2000 years ago and he came and was born is still the same. So our victory in the Lambert family, there's still some residual junk because when you break systems of authority, you still have to clean up the mess. But I don't hear that anymore in my kids. Come on. And I've changed the way I speak to my wife and I've broken the back of that. And I'm so grateful to the Lord because that is true. The presence transforming our lives. He cares. I'm just being real with y'all. We had a nasty, nasty tone. And I heard it in my little kids and it was breaking my heart because I knew it broke the father's heart. But he doesn't have that power anymore in the Lambert family. Come on. So good. It's Joseph and Mary Borsch. Um, this testimony really runs about three years. Uh, about 2019, the Lord just kind of started talking to us about a transition. And uh, so I got my house ready. I spent a lot of time, you know, fixing it up to sell. Uh, if anybody's lived in a house for 35 years, it's a lot of work to transition out of it. You know, we, we gave away tons of stuff. So my wife's telling me to hurry up already. <laughs> so anyhow, we did transition. We sold the house. We moved into an apartment. And then, you know, the next thing was we've been in the same church for 35 years, 30 church that you guys are going to celebrate. And we got to find a new church. Thank you.
Thank you guys. You guys can be seated. I'm going to have the staff testify to you. Alexis Villasenor. Hey, everyone. Um, I have three things, and I'll try to make it quick. Um, one of the things is, so I'm a youth pastor here. Um, I've been with the youth ministry um, with Upper Room for almost six years, but here in Frisco, three years. And the first Christmas party, um, you know, we, we have an annual Christmas party, but the first year we had four students, right? Just four, which is great. And then we just had a Christmas party two weeks ago. We had about 35, which is great. Like numbers are great, but, but it's really more of what's happening in the youth ministry where the community with the youth, they, they just feel like family. They just feel at home. They just feel at peace. So for some of them, and mostly all of them, Thursdays is a, is, a, is a day they look forward to because they get to be with each other, but also they get to get closer with the Holy Spirit. Leading up with the youth ministry, we had Youth X. That's our camp. We had that in, in August. And there's a, a student that I've been walking with for six years now. I've known him since he was like 12. He's 18 now, just graduated. But he's somebody we've been praying for, where I've partnered with his parents, his mom, with my brother. And we've just been praying him for a long, long time. And one of the nights, I believe it was a Wednesday night, he just gets wrecked by the Holy Spirit. And he's on the ground, speaking in tongues, bawling his eyes out, his eyes out, and just encountering the love of the Father. And that is supernatural. And I have so many more stories like that where the Holy Spirit is just encountering this generation and is teaching me not to give up, not to give up on them. And then the last one is more of a personal thing. Um, Back in October, I got engaged. Come on. And so the, the way that happened, we've been dating long distance and, and, and for three years now, it's been a really long process, but with that came so much breakthrough. And so we're just so excited and, and that's such a powerful thing for me, so. Hey, my name is Judd. I know I haven't met most of y'all yet. I'm, I've been on staff for just over three months now um, in the media department here. So you'll see me at the back, but not really at the front too much. So um, this is a treat for me. Um, a little backstory. In 2019, I was injured in the oil field. I was working in the oil field, and it put me in my bedroom for a year straight, basically just sitting in my chair and having to recover. Um, at the end of about a year, I moved down to Dallas, like the Lord provided a job at a corporate office where I didn't have to use my body anymore, I could use my mind. And after about six months there, which was March of this year, the Lord said, hey, it's time to quit. Okay, well, um, what do I do? It's like, hey, you're supposed to serve full-time at church. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's an easy one to say yes to. So I quit my corporate office job and started serving full-time at Upper Room Dallas, and I had no income. 
and the Lord provided every step of the way. Um, he provided opportunity for me to do audio at some different churches and different events, and he provided enough for me to propose to my girlfriend in July. Uh, I got married in November, and, and um, yeah, I came on staff here at the end of September, and in the midst of all that, the Lord restored over a decade of hurts and pains and um, orphan mentality towards leadership and towards towards the Father. He just tenderized my heart again and um, taught, me, taught me what real relationship looks like, what real community looks like, what family looks like within this context here. And um, yeah, 2021 has been the best year of my life. So bless the Lord. Liz Lucked. Well, I feel like Joseph helped set me up for this one. This one's my church-related one. We have always felt that it was so special that we got to experience family within our staff context. Um, a lot of us have worked in churches before and some of us haven't, but there's something in, that we got to experience in our staff that was really special. And so we started praying that that would be something that would be evident in our body, like family and all this stuff. And we we see it in this church body and it is amazing. We see it in the prayer room teams. We see it in like, if you know our security team, they're not our security team. They are like, they're doing their job, but they're family. Um, I'm going to start crying, but it's okay. I'm, I cry and I'm pregnant and extra hormonal. If Dave were here, he's just like, talk through it. I'm gonna talk through it. But I see family here and I'm so thankful. And looking at you makes it harder for me to talk through this because I see family in you. And now you're crying. <laughs> see family on this level in a church body is nothing short of his doing and nothing short of a miracle. I've been to church my whole life. I don't have a church allergy. I, I love church. And this is one of the most beautiful expressions of church I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm going to end mine there. <laughs> ago, right before COVID, um, I heard the Lord say, I'm going to teach you about community and unity. And I was like, yes, I can do that. <laughs> He's like, you're going to learn about that on your own, are you? And I realized the irony of that, that that involves really letting people in. And what I didn't realize at that time was that it also involves getting way more than you can handle by yourself. <laughs> and in every area of my life, that has been true what's so incredible is the blessings that he's given me like my friend Kristen staring at me right now <laughs> just incredible partners and friends and sisters and brothers in Christ that I could never have imagined operating in their giftings and just being who they are and it's just incredible and it's the center of that is right here and I'm so I'm so blessed so stretched <laughs> And I'm so blown away by the goodness of God and the goodness of His people. 
I love you guys. That was Nancy Clark, our children's pastor. You probably noticed both Liz and Nancy are carrying little ones. We're so excited about all the, the pregnancies and births the last couple years. It's been such a blessing. Hey, I wanted to, um, can we sing one more chorus together before heading out? Let's do that.